I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Arlene Hurston. We're back. We're with Bob Guccione in his townhouse in New York. Again, thank you for being on the show again. I know how busy you are. Pressure is all mine. <laughs> the pressure is... Oh, come on. You mean the pleasure. No, it is a pleasure. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. Bob Guccione was a charming dude. And here he is practically charming the pants off talk show host Arlene Herson in the 80s on the Arlene Herson show. I have to say, and to see your success, to be here in this fabulous house. I mean, there's no doubt that you're a success. Arlene is clearly a fan of Bob's, to say the least. But even she has to admit that Bob has as many detractors as he does fans. And when this relatively light conversation takes a turn towards his critics, Bob tenses up. You are worth, as we had mentioned earlier, over $250 million. Um, Penthouse is not the only publication. You also have a forum, uh, variations, the girls of Penthouse, Penthouse Letters. But it all... Four-wheeler, which okay. is a magazine. Wh- but that's a different kind of yeah. magazine. An omni, a different Can you feel the defensiveness yet? Okay, there are other parts, too, but there's a lot to do with sex, with people's sexual problems, you know. You, you show pictures of women in sexy poses. It's sex, sex, sex. That's really how wonderful. you built your fortune. Okay, it's wonderful. But people have said because of that, you've been called the king of sleaze. Now, how do you react to something like that? Well, I just, I don't react to it really because I think people who say things like that are very stupid, uninformed. Because there's nothing sleazy about sex. Healthy sex is the most wonderful thing in the world. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for our mothers and fathers appreciating the value of healthy sex. So people who say things like that are just stupid. 
Arlene's critiques here are the softest of softballs. But you can tell even mentioning his critics rattles Bob's cage. Now, everybody's definition of pornography varies. What's your definition of pornography? Well, firstly, when they say pornography, pornography is a word with no legal content. It's, it's just a stupid argument. These magazines are not obscene. We are the victims. They represent healthy sexuality. That's what they say after the fact. How do you respond? That's absolutely untrue. This interview took place more than two decades after the launch of Penthouse and more than a decade after the launch of Viva magazine. And even still, hearing criticism years later, it fires him up. So you can imagine how bent out of shape Bob must have been after the launch of Viva set off a media firestorm. After the first issue, reporters called Bob's Viva self-conscious, old hat, stale, and even sick. They said the sex in Viva was very, well, unsexy. There's a particularly rough review in Time magazine that so incensed Bob, he addressed it in a full-page editor's letter that runs in Viva's January 1974 issue. The letter is titled, Time Off for Bad Behavior. Here's an excerpt. Whereas Time devoted one paragraph to Viva's editorial content, they devoted five paragraphs to the credibility content of its publisher. Time goes on to question such disparate non-sequiturs as whether or not the reader could survive, not the editorial content of the magazine, but my own personal pretensions, my ability to judge and handle staff, and my right to change pages weeks after the closing deadline. Because even though all the reviews are technically about Viva, they're kind of more about Bob Guccione himself. As Viva's editor-in-chief, all roads, good or bad, but especially bad, lead back to him. Bob was progressive in so many ways. How he talks about healthy sex, and even the fact that he started Viva makes him decades ahead of his time. Bob's strong opinions got him far. They got him penthouse. And they earned him an empire. But Viva wasn't penthouse. It didn't fit his usual formula. He couldn't just throw tits and ass and a few gonzo journalists at it and call it a day. From the start, Viva played by different rules. And the more Bob doubled down on his vision, the more he tried to control it, the more out of control it got. From Crooked Media and iHeartMedia, I'm Jennifer Romolini, and this is Stiffed, Episode 2, Time Off for Bad Behavior. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Act 1, Awkward Man-Ass. If you pour over these early Bob Guccione edited issues of Viva, you're left with all sorts of questions. Things like, why so many boobs and so much bush? Who finds the little hooker comic funny? But the biggest question you'll ask if you read these early Bob Guccione Viva magazines is, what kind of life leads a human man to believe he should be in charge of a women's sex magazine? Robert Charles Joseph Edward Sabatini Guccione was born December 17, 1930, in Brooklyn, into a big middle-class Sicilian family. You know, my father was an Italian-American who grew up with strong, strong Italian um, values. Here's his son, Bob Jr. And what are Italian values founded on? The mother. Respect for the mother, respect for the matriarch. Later in life, Bob Guccione obviously loved women. But according to Bob Jr., this comes from a genuine respect for women that was instilled in him during his youth. My grandmother was a very powerful woman. They had nothing. They grew up in the Depression, but she was powerful and, you know, saw beyond the horizon. And she also ordained my father as a, as a you know, son of the universe, figured he was destined for great things. But she instilled upon him and, and, and in him a great respect for women. That was, you know, that was absolutely the foundation. It might be hard to believe, but growing up, Cuccioni was not only a mama's boy 
but actually an altar boy, too. And true story, he later studied for the priesthood briefly before instead marrying his high school sweetheart, with whom he had his first kid. Here's Bob on the Arlene Herson show again. At 18 years old, you were married for the first time. Yes, I got married. Why? I did everything very quickly. <laughs> okay, but 18 years old, why did you get married? I was on a collision course with life. <laughs> I wanted to see and feel and experience everything as quickly as possible. That marriage ended quickly, and after this, Bob moved to Europe to be a classical painter with, the story goes, $24 in his pocket and a handful of paintbrushes. And newly single Bob wasn't single for long. I immediately married my second wife. I've been married almost all my life. <laughs> I married my second wife practically the day that I divorced my first wife. So I've always had a life companion. He has four more kids, including Bob Jr., he supports the family by briefly managing a chain of British laundromats and working as a cartoonist for the London American. But there's not enough money in painting or cartooning or laundromats. So he sets his sights on something bigger. You know, my father was a great painter and he grew up studying, you know, European painters. And so he um, had this natural tendency to think, well, the naked body, either way, male or female, is art. With this apparently innate interest in the naked body, it's not surprising that Bob sets his sights on an industry which is suddenly, in the 60s, extremely lucrative. Porn. And so, in 1965, Penthouse UK is born. Bob cared about the art and classiness, even though he was a pornographer. That's Peter Block. Peter worked for Bob for nearly 30 years as a copy editor at Viva and for longer as the editor of Penthouse. Over those years, Peter heard many, many of Bob's stories, including the one about how Bob first spotted a woman who would have a great deal of influence over him, his third wife slash business partner, Kathy Keaton. Kathy was basically a stripper. And anyway, Bob saw her, I don't know where, and when he went to her dressing room, because he was attracted to her, she had a bunch of Financial Times or Wall Street Journals or things like that because she was very smart. And so he, again, the official line was he realized that she would be someone who would be very good helping him sell advertising for his new magazine. And that's how they got together. Kathy was a well-paid exotic dancer with no sales or publishing experience. I was very impressed with her. I said, I want you to come work on a magazine. I said, well, I, I can't pay you uh, as much as you're making. And she says, well, how much can you pay? I said, 15 pounds a week. And she said, okay. Convincing Kathy to help him sell ads for his new magazine may not have looked to the outside world like the smartest business move. But Kathy was special, and Bob knew it. Here's editor Peter Block again. Oh, she was ambitious. She was in very... Incredibly smart. She was way ahead of her time. Hiring Kathy and giving her a senior role shaping the company was one of Bob Guccione's first and most genius gut instincts. Because, like his son told us earlier, Bob was actually kind of a genius. He was also, like all of us, complicated, full of contradictions. He was arrogant, full of male ego and hubris but also professionally generous and savvy. And he for sure had an eye for talented people, 
like him, who also wanted to push boundaries. I mean, here he is, a guy wearing, you know, open shirts down to his waist and chains, one of which might have had his own penis engraved on it, and Kathy being in her, you know, go-go boots and um, being an ex-stripper. That's Dr. Judy Kuriansky, Viva's sex columnist. But they were intelligent, you know? They they made sense. They wanted to do something different in the world, break all the taboos and, you know, uh, go against society. And, and that was his way of doing it because this was the sexual revolution, and he was way out there charging in front. You might recognize Dr. Judy's voice from the nationally syndicated call-in radio advice show Love Phones which she hosted from 1992 to 1998. Before starting to write for Viva in the 70s, Dr. Judy was a pioneering sex researcher, a more serious academic. Since I was a senior research scientist at Columbia at the Psychiatric Institute, I was the protege of a number of very senior psychiatrists who were approached by Masters and Johnson, the grandfather and grandmother of sex therapy. So while I was wearing the hat of studying psychiatric disorders. I was also becoming this major known as the sex therapist. And so I was approached to do a column for Viva. Dr. Judy's on the fence at first. She'd never done anything like this. It was a big choice. Since I had such a reputation in the professional field, I had to be concerned. How would my, my colleagues perceive this? Uh, This was a very sensitive time in the world that you were either a proper, respected professional or you were, you know, part of the sleazy pornographic world. But Bob sees something in Dr. Judy, and it maybe helps her see something in herself. She takes the job. He struck me as he was very intelligent. He was very forward-thinking. He was highly creative, and I appreciated that in him. And that's the thing about Bob. He knows how to spot talent. But once they join his team, he's not always great at playing well with others, nor sharing his toys. And Viva, at this moment, it's Bob's favorite new toy. And he seems pretty obnoxious about it. But to be charitable, like many founders, up to this point, Bob Guccione's success had relied heavily on betting on his own unyielding vision. Well, if I back myself 10 out of 10 times, I'm going to win. And if I doubt myself 10 out of 10 times, I'm definitely going to lose. So even in a case where he was wrong, and I think suspected at the time that he was off center, he still had this thing, well, if I back myself 10 times out of 10, I will come out ahead. Not only did Bob have confidence in his own abilities, but he had confidence in his vision and creative perspective. For the time, he was very progressive when it came to sex, sex positivity, and the fact that women had erotic inner lives. He just maybe had a bit too much confidence when it came to what those inner lives looked like. So Bob Sr. keeps backing himself, controls most of Viva's editorial and all of its images. Viva doesn't even get its own cover shoots. Bob literally reuses outtakes from his penthouse shoots. So the covers of this erotic women's magazine are, well, topless penthouse pets with high hair and come-hither looks cropped from the shoulders up. And inside the magazine, things in Bob's early Viva aren't any less weird. 
There's an ad for a suction cup device called Beauty Breast that's meant to help increase a woman's bust size, grow inches in just 14 days, next to a Q&A with musical theater director Bob Fosse. There's a wrinkled, over-tanned man's ass right next to a profile of actress Anne Bancroft. There's a five-page spread on, I shit you not, erotic pocket watches, including one that's engraved with an image of a couple engaging in the sex act 69. These were all Bob's calls. Here's writer Annie Gottlieb, one of Viva's first female columnists. What women find sexy about men was barely touched on in Viva, you know. Men are just so visual, and women are much more multisensory about what turns us on. Annie comes to Viva as a 20-something feminist book critic. She's part of the young New York intelligentsia of the time, writing for places like the New York Times and the Village Voice. Annie's one of a handful of young, ambitious women now working at Viva. But did Bob rely on any of their expertise to dictate what women wanted from a sexy women's magazine? No. Guccione kept sort of barging in like a bull in a china shop and, you know, and making it weird. It was annoying and it was also funny. Truth is, if Bob had been open to feedback, women like Annie may have offered ideas beyond awkward man-ass and topless penthouse pets. Here's Viva editor Robin Walliner. I don't, don't think he gave a moment's thought to, to uh, what women wanted or needed. And it wasn't just photos. In Viva's editorial meetings, Bob's the kind of boss who tells you how it's going to be. He doesn't so much reject story ideas at this point as not seem to welcome them in the first place. Now, Bob Guccione is certainly not the first nor last editor-in-chief to treat his magazine like his own personal fiefdom. This behavior is practically in the job description. As a result, Viva's off the mark in big ways, but Bob's also wrong about smaller details that have a big impact, too. Here's Robin again. The term feminist. So we didn't use it in the magazine, but we all were feminists. Yes, Bob and later Kathy hated the word feminist, and they instruct the staff of their feminist porn magazine not to use it. But like Robin said, the Viva staffers are proud 70s feminists. They're buoyed by the women's liberation movement, which is, by 1974, in full swing. They have a mission. And when these young feminists find they can't walk through the front door of the house of Guccione, they go searching for a window. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of... dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. 
Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. Jon Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Act 2. Vulva ashtray, but make it feminist. So it's not just Bob Guccione the Viva editors needed to work around. The environment they worked in could be off-putting as well. Penthouse and Viva shared everything. Copy editors, an art department, and of course, a co-working space. Here's Viva editor Pat Linden. There were these disgusting guys, disgustingly slobby guys, and they lived there basically. They had actually drilled holes in the wall, and they were they would smoke pot there at night, and and then they would blow it out the, the hole so that it didn't smell up the building. Pat and the entire Viva staff shared an office with all of Guccione's magazines. And in the 70s, that meant mainly Penthouse, but also Penthouse spinoffs like Forum and Penthouse Letters. And they also shared office space with a whole host of characters from Guccione's family, who Bob Sr. famously employed to help run his empire. Bob Guccione's sister was in charge of merchandise, right? And um, so on her desk were a bunch of samples, and there was a blow-up doll that was hanging on the walls. It was a doll that men could have sexual intercourse with. It had came, came with a vagina. <laughs> and I guess it came with some sort of cream or something. Um, and, and then there was a, a, an ashtray 
shaped like a vulva so that men could stuff, kill their cigars and that. And Bob Guccione's father had that same ashtray down in his office. Bob had hired his father, Anthony Guccione, then an elderly man, to be in charge of the company's finances. He was billed officially on the masthead as secretary-treasurer. And he had a, a rubber breast, and if you push the, the nipple, that would summon his secretary. Come on. <laughs> it was a bizarre place. Here's Annie. I used to have a terrible time getting paid. It would take six weeks to get my check. And I remember Gay Bryant saying to me, Anthony Guccione doesn't like to sign checks. And he, of course, had to sign the big checks for the printer and the photographers, the color separations and all the advertising and all that. He had to sign those. So he took it out on the, you know, the $400 people. Bob lays out cash for big-name male photographers and even big-name male writers like John Irving. But Viva's few female writers and editors have to scrape by with less. They have to fight to get paid. Still, for the most part, they're just happy to be there, happy for the work. Here's Betty Jane Raphael, who joined the Viva staff as senior editor at the beginning of the magazine. New York was not at its best, everyone knows, in the 70s, but for young people in magazines, it was pretty exciting. I mean, at least for women. Viva is Betty Jane's second job out of college. Before joining Viva, she'd worked as an editor at McCall's, also in New York City. And the world opened up in the 60s because, well, the pill came. And so a lot of us good girls didn't have to be so good anymore. And um, we lived in the city. We didn't commute home. And life was pretty exciting, I felt. Betty Jane's one of only two female editors credited on these early issues of Viva. Betty Jane and Viva's few female writers like Annie are putting a little bit of the feminist spirit they're experiencing outside of the office into the magazine. They're finding ways to put their own stamp on it, even if they do this mostly in secret. Because guess what? By the third issue of Viva, they've found their window in. It's a section of the magazine called Graffiti, which runs over seven pages, pages 33 to 40 each month. It's a section devoted to art and music and film and eventually whatever the hell the Viva editors want. It was part of a sort of cultural inset that was on non-glossy paper. So everybody knew that was the part you could skip if you were only interested in sexy pictures and fashion. You know, it was kind of like on, on brown paper, the kind you would wrap a sandwich in. Remember, most of Bob's Viva is luxurious feeling. He's a snob about production only cares about the pages that are high gloss. You know, it had a very disposable look to it, but within that setting, we had total freedom to write whatever we wanted. You know, we were, we were poorly paid, and no, probably nobody read what we wrote, and that was what set us free. And within this literal brown paper bag secret magazine within the magazine, the smart, progressive, feminist vision for Viva begins to come to life. Annie's covering the book world, highlighting feminist poets. She's writing about Toni Morrison's Sula and Alice Walker's stories of Black women in love and trouble. Each month, the graffiti section leads with a personal essay on things like sexual pleasure, the pitfalls of marriage, and work-life balance. And these essays are written by influential writers and artists of the 1970s. I am not an ogre. I just have this unpleasant conflict. 
That's writer and podcast host Ashley Ford. She's reading Lorraine O'Grady, the legendary Black conceptual artist and culture critic. O'Grady actually wrote in Viva's May 1974 graffiti section. And it's an essay that honestly could be published today. I want a loving relationship with a man built on mutual respect and reciprocal give and take. But what I really need is someone to make no demands on me as a housewife. Not mind if I write until five or six in the morning and still be there to keep me company when I can no longer stand typing. In other words, though I may want a husband, what I need is a wife. The graffiti section also included big-time writers like Nancy Friday, who wrote the best-selling sex fantasies book, My Secret Garden. Here's Nancy on Tom Snyder's popular 70s late-night talk show, Tomorrow. Said it before and I'll say it again. Women have gone really socially, sexually with men just about as far as we can go right now. And right now, the time is for men to really change. Nancy Friday went on to write more than a half dozen books on women and sexuality. She's widely considered an early sex positivity icon, an important feminist figure in the sexual revolution. In the world of media, even then, she was a get. The fact that her essay is relegated to Viva's brown paper bag insert section tells us a lot about who was actually calling Viva's major shots. And it tells us a lot about how much this middle-aged male pornographer-in-chief had yet to catch up to and adapt to the times. And it also tells us a lot about the lengths to which, in these early days, the women at Viva fought to execute their vision and work around him. Here's Betty Jane again. We knew who we were working for. And we did not let it stifle us. I would just go after people I wanted to see in the magazine. And it usually would be based on some book that was coming out or um, recognition. We just did our stories, our articles, uh, and then had them uh, put together with, you know, photo layouts of soft porn. And by ignoring Bob's porn and landing their own big-name writers like Simone de Beauvoir and important up-and-comers like Nikki Giovanni, sometimes they managed to pull their vision off. I guess we all felt that we were like working against the tide and actually kind of working under the radar because I don't think he ever read much of the magazine. And this, this was a shift. Because with the exception of the graffiti pages, Bob initially read most everything in Viva. It was a big part of his job. And if Bob didn't read the magazine anymore, what was he doing? Well, after months of criticism and bad reviews pointed directly at him, he's possibly rethinking the Viva formula after all. You know, the thing to understand about my dad is he was incredibly brilliant, but he couldn't be a woman. He could be many things, but he couldn't be a woman. And therefore he couldn't perceive how complex a woman's approach to, to sex is. After a few months, the criticism may have just become too much for Bob. And he starts to lose interest in his shiny new toy. Because in the issues following that January 1974 editor's letter at the beginning of this episode, the one where Bob rails against Time Magazine for criticizing his role as editor of Viva, Bob never writes an editor's letter again. 
And in fact, by the end of July of 1974, there's an even bigger shift in the magazine. Bob's name is no longer on the masthead as editor. He's officially taken his editor-in-chief ball and gone home. He never came, I mean, he would come into the office maybe once a month. He was like a New York celebrity who never wanted to leave the house. His father came into the office, his sisters, his children. Lots of Guccione's in the office, but not Bob. And the new editor? Well, she's about to push the magazine in a new direction and potentially give Viva's readership what they actually want. What I do remember was boxes of letters that would come in from angry women who said, show more cock. Stift is an original podcast from iHeartMedia and Crooked Media. It's produced by Crooked Media. It's hosted and written by me, Jennifer Romolini, and produced by Megan Donis. Sydney Rapp is our associate producer. Story editing by Mary Knopf. Music, sound design, and engineering by Hannes Brown. Our fact checker is Julia Paskin. Additional production support from Nafila Cato and Inez Maza. Thanks to Alex Papadimus for reading the voice of Bob Guccione and to Ashley Ford for reading Lorena Grady. From Crooked Media, our executive producers are Sarah Geismer, Katie Long, and Mary Knopf, with special thanks to Allison Falzetta and Lyra Smith. From iHeartMedia, our executive producers are Beth Ann Macaluso and Julia Weaver. Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts the black effect presents family therapy and i'm your host elliot connie Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 